You have tuned in to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. On the last episode of PodSAM, we introduced you to SAM Magazine's annual 10 Under 30 East Coast. These 20-somethings, all nominated by their peers, demonstrate their leadership, passion, grit, and perspective to navigate the obstacles of the present and seize the opportunities of the future. Our 11 profilees represent a variety of sectors of the industry, including mountain ops, food and beverage, IT, marketing, and diversity, equity, and inclusivity work, to list just a few. They operate on the corporate level and at hills with 200 feet of vertical. They have a current impact on their teams and communities and a vision for where snow sports should head next. On this episode, we're going to meet the folks in the West and hear clips of their interviews with Sam Magazine senior editor, Katie Britton. The Swiss Army Knife Cameron Homer joined Sierra at Tahoe, California as an events coordinator. But her role now encompasses much more than that. Snow reporting, communications, PR, ad creation, grant writing, environmental stewardship. She's even an on-camera personality. She's a Swiss army knife, said a nominator. She jumps in wherever needed on a daily basis. She is a Swiss army knife with a high adaptability and a love for the ski business. In terms of your job, you mentioned your... um... COVID videos. And actually in your, your nomination, we were sent a link to, to some of them. We were able to see some, and I'd love to hear more about like how your role there developed um, and, and what that was, how that worked. Yeah. Well, the first season that I was there, I didn't do a whole lot of on-camera video until later in the season but I would do my Lake Tahoe TV calls. And I, you know, just like everyone, I think everyone's a little bit nervous when they're public speaking or in front of the camera, but honestly, it just takes enough times to where you're like, I'm, I'm used to this. I kind of have this under my belt. And last, the 2019, 2020 season, the snow reporters and I created a a video. I want to say it's fresh track Fridays is what it was called. And every Friday we would put out an informational video Sometimes I would be the main face. Sometimes we'd all be in it and it would be different. And so we would create these educational videos and then it became just like really fun. Like I just enjoyed being able to have fun in front of the camera and communicate something that our guests would, you know, enjoy and appreciate like chain installation, all these like little things that would just help our guests experience along the way before they even got to the mountain. And so this season stepping into being the main person in front of the camera I had that kind of playful background. And then I knew that this communication was going to be much more serious, Mm -hmm. but I also knew what our brand was. So I tried to convey that in my videos of being able to deliver the information clearly so that there was no, there was no question like, is it a mass thing? Is it six feet? I wanted it to be as clear as possible, but then have the Sierra brand also conveyed through me so that it was still fun. It was a face they know. They know my name. They knew, know who I am. They see my face all the time and just make it something like, we're happy to welcome you back. Here's what you have to do. And we ha- can't wait to see you, you know, trying to almost sandwich the information a little bit. <laughs> we miss you. Please follow these rules. Can't wait to see you. <laughs> and so that's what I, I focused on doing is just making sure it was fun. Honestly, as, as hard as the season was, it was one of the funnest seasons I've had at Sierra. It was just 
playful, coming back to being able to connect with people, playing outside, snowboarding, and just having fun. Thinking about your career a little more broadly, what's some of the best career advice you've been given? John Rice and I were talking shortly after I got nominated for a Mahalo Star this last season. So we give out, well, I don't give it out, but our supervisors and managers give out Mahalo Stars to like coordinators and the, like their employees for when they do something really well and then they get nominated. And then out of that pool of people that were nominated in all the different departments, there's one person that gets like the Mahalo Star of the week. And I had done that because I jumped in answering some social media stuff. And then I did an on-camera video with Lake Tahoe TV that wasn't necessarily planned. It just kind of came up and I rolled with it. And the biggest advice that John gave me was to continue to just fill those holes that the resort needs. There, there are going to be gaps. There are going to be jobs that come up and the more flexible that I can be just skill-wise, being able to hop into event coordinating and manage an entire event by myself and then respond to social media and then be in front of the camera and all of these other aspects of the department and of the resort, the more holes that I can fill, the better I'm going to be just as an employee, as a person, because my skills are now way outside of just event coordinator. So I did all types of things this season. I would say event coordinating, I did about 20% and the 80% was just everything else in between. Yeah, I suspect that event coordinating uh, was not the busiest part. Of no, it. it was not. But it allowed me to explore into other things I wanted to learn in the marketing department. Before the season, I hadn't had experience with ad creation or how we would place it and how that would all work. And so I started making ads this season. It was the most successful ad campaigns we had had, which was really cool to be a part of. But I got to go in, you know, in November, not knowing anything about Photoshop and a little bit with Illustrator to now being, I would say, somewhat proficient in Photoshop and understanding what our guests and customers want so I can create those ads with our social media manager. So it's, it's really cool to be able to collaborate in that way. The self-starter. A graduate of Colorado Mountain College's Ski Area Operations Program, Maddie Pierce is poised to climb in the industry. She's worked almost every job on the mountain and continues to excel in every position she takes on, said a nominator. As a snowmaker and groomer at Copper Mountain, Colorado, Maddie is on snow a lot and loves the work. So what about this season? Can you tell me about like one of your most memorable working moments on the snow? Man, this season was hard. Honestly, there was there wasn't a whole lot because we didn't get much snow, but there was obviously a whole lot of good things, but um making snow and being able to open back again for like, you know, everybody kind of got joshed out of the season last year and so when we had opening day this year, everybody was so stoked and just we were making snow and people are cheering at us from the lifts, you know, cause they're so stoked to be, you know, skiing at a resort again. And like, we can't believe it's happening, you know, cause it, yeah, we got shortened from the season before. So everybody was stoked and it was cool to see that stoke and cool to experience it. But this year is kind of hard to, hard to find good things about cause it was, so restricted one because of COVID, which wasn't terrible, but 
too because we just didn't get much snow out here so there wasn't any of those like crazy like holy shit we got 22 inches last night like this is wild (laughs) (laughs) it must have kept things interesting from a snowmaker perspective though right Absolutely. Yeah, we we made a lot of snow and we made snow until January something. We usually don't do that. Usually we're done before Christmas time. And that's the goal. And then, yeah, grooming, it was just patching everything back together and hoping for the best and making it all work. But it's cool. We've been cutting some new ski trails and we got done grooming early. Most of us did to help with that. So that's been super cool to build some new trails and experience that side of things. So has that, did that start this spring, the new ski trails, or was that in the fall? That started this spring. We started with them first or second week in April, something like that. And we've been doing it since. And we're, we're thinking we got five days left of it. Nice. So nice. just been trees and some days I'm cutting them down. Sometimes I'm skidding them. Some days I'm burning them, <laughs> but everything. It, you're, you're diversifying your repertoire of skills here. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's what I'm here for. I like learning all sorts of stuff. It's a good time. That's for sure. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to mention or that you think you'd love for people to know? Um, I don't know. I guess a little of where I came from a little more, the ski area that I came from. And I don't know, I don't think I mentioned it at the beginning, Um, And that's kind of what inspired me for being in the industry is when I first started working there, the reason I was a volunteer junior ski instructor is because the ski area had gone bankrupt multiple times. Um, And they were at that point, because they had gone bankrupt so many times, the town had bought it because they wanted to salvage it and wanted it to still be a thing because it was a huge part of the community. And I saw how much it was part of the community and I learned how to ski there. So did all my siblings and my dad. Um, and it was a big deal. Um, and then the people that ran it, ran it for a season and they were awesome. They were the people that I learned just about everything from how to ski, how to, you know, how to teach people how to ski, how to make snow, how the whole industry worked in itself. Um, and I, like I said, I still talk to them almost daily and they left for a year because they couldn't, they couldn't survive there. And um, another guy from town, a random guy who ran a golf course, ran it for a season. He failed at it epically. Stuff didn't work and they were going to close the mountain, but they put it up for bid um, and an auction and a bunch of people bid on it. But the, the key to the bid was if they were to keep it a ski area, they could have it and they could bid. You know, that was the only like qualification for the bid or whatever you want to call it. And that couple that ran it initially bid $1 on the day of the sale and $50,000 on the third anniversary of the sale. And they purchased the whole ski area for $50,000 and they were 25, 26 at the time. Oh, cool. So they were super young. Um, and they ran it and it was very inspiring just to be part of that whole operation and have seen the different change of hands over the years. And I definitely, that's how I got into this whole thing was through them and and they're incredible people that I like, I learned everything from. And I go to like, I've been to a couple of different conferences and people, you know, ask you where you're from. And they're like, oh, best people in the world to work for. Like, and what are their names? You said it was Oak Mountain? Oak Mountain, Matt and Laura O'Brien. The Creative Collaborator.
Colton Smith's peers named him Snowbird's Employee of the Year this season, a testament to the impact he's made at his home hill as digital marketing manager. Something that truly sets Colton apart is his willingness to help wherever needed, said a nominator. Colton is someone who radiates passion for the ski industry in all that he does. In the workplace, this love comes across with the creative analysis, application, and forward thinking that he brings to the Snowbird team. Why don't you share something that you learned this season that you'll carry through into next season? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things that I learned um, this season, especially with COVID, was um, really you know, building our partnerships, not only within our marketing department, but within all of the other departments here at the resort, um, making sure that we're supporting each other. I think uh, this year has been like the most collaborative uh, of my experience within, with all the departments here to make sure that um, we're helping each other out. And, um, you know, whether that means trying to improve web pages for all the other departments so that they're clearly explaining their guidelines for the health and safety of staff um, and, and making sure that we're kind of reducing some of the pain points that they've experienced, or if it's even just, um, you know, helping in the parking lots, scanning parking reservations. I mean, everyone in our marketing department and across the resort was kind of, you know, supporting each other. You know, we worked in housekeeping this winter. We worked in parking reservations. You know, I bust tables up on the restaurant, stuff like that um, in between, you know, making updates on the website. And I think uh, that support and collaboration was something um, that really grew this season that, that was super exciting. That's a nice silver lining, I'm sure, in a, a rather challenging year to see everyone kind of come together and be supportive. Yeah, yeah, I think... With, with the way Snowbird is set up and our marketing department kind of sits separate from a lot of the other departments. And so it was really good to, you know, I, I've been here a couple of years, but to be able to like work with so many departments at, at all different levels, like most of the time I'm interacting at the manager level. And so getting to work with like, you know, frontline staff a lot more this season was really nice. Gives you a different appreciation of what everyone's doing out there, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, just um, working the lines this season and asking people to pull their masks up was, was it was crazy. And it gave me so much um, appreciation for our staff that are mountain hosts that are out there doing that. Well, what, what about the flip side? Is there like a really memorable day from this season um, that sort of sticks out for, for good reasons? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we had a pretty crazy uh, storm roll through where we got seven feet of snow in seven days. And uh, a unique thing, unique thing about Snowbird is um, the amount of avalanche pass we have up this road means that uh, we tend to get stuck up in our offices up to like 20 mm -hmm. days a season. And so we, that storm rolled in and it was myself and two other people that came in and, you know, at 9am and got beat the road closure stuff. And uh, we basically got stuck here for four days. Um, we had the longest inner lodge. Uh, in snowbird history where we were here for 60 hours I think um, and then the mountain opened up and before the road was able to open and so there were maybe about I don't know 300 or 400 people up here uh, 
that, that stayed through that whole stretch and we got to get out. Um, we got to get some uh, film and uh, photo crews out that had stayed through the whole thing. And so they were out shooting and basically myself and uh, you know, our two other team members got to go out and ski for a couple hours. Uh, and it was like 60 inches of just unsettled snow and bluebird sky and like we were expecting maybe one lift to open or two lifts to open. And by the end of the day, like all the terrain at the resort had opened. Um, and it was like the best powder skiing. <laughs> Probably it was like a country club day, you know, the, the kind of experience that you dream about. That sounds pretty glorious. Yeah. I can, I can imagine how, uh, how much fun that must've been. Yeah. Yeah. It made it worth like, sleeping, you know, in our offices on our, you know, blow up uh, yeah. com in our comforters and stuff and kind of just raiding the fridge in our snack closet for like four days. But we all knew like we had our fingers crossed that it would go, it would go out that way where we'd all get to get up before the road opened. And it was, it was incredible. Awesome. I bet the, uh, the film crews got some, some quality footage too. Yeah, we actually, um, the video from that, uh, we entered it into um, NSAA's uh, like video of the year. And so we're, we're finalists for that. And so we're hoping fingers crossed because it was really cool um, just to be able to retell that story. And a lot of guests were just excited to be able to see the ones who were up here to have something to remember it. In terms of the the marketing department and digital marketing is there like a hot button topic or something that you're thinking about yeah um i think kind of the things in in marketing especially digital marketing that i'm most focused on right now um there are some big changes with uh with privacy related to um like digital advertising and, and what Apple and Facebook are coming out with about um, web tracking. And so I think being able for us to market and also respect uh, our guest privacy and build a lot of our marketing campaigns around making sure that we're asking for permission, um, I think that's huge. I think that's the direction that digital marketing is going to go. And I think there's going to be a lot of pain points over the next uh, couple of years to grow to that. Um, they talk a lot about like uh, basically digital advertising in a, like in a non-third party cookie-less world, which means that it's a lot harder for us to say, you know, here's our return on our advertising spend um, and, and to really market things at a, at a different level and to be really creative. And I think that's where uh, something that's like hot on my mind and focusing around, I think there's that. The other big thing that I've been really focused on over the last year, and I think uh, a lot of other resorts are focusing on it too, is um, kind of creating more contact points with guests uh, when they're at a resort. I think that's one of the hardest things for us. Um, you know, we, we build all these, uh, marketing campaigns around pre-arrival and post-departure and and trying to bring people to the resort and then a lot of resorts go pretty dark in marketing about once their guests are actually here you know someone mm -hmm. comes on a vacation for seven days and um, there's not a lot that we're doing or, or other resorts and are doing to like 
be in contact with that person or to make sure they're having a good experience until they get that survey at the end. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that we did um, this year that I'm really proud about is the new Snowbird app. Um, it was a project that we uh, came out with really focused on how do we improve communication at the resort, especially with creating some touch points with guests when they're here. Um, something that we've kind of heard over the last few years is that once someone gets here, they don't really know what's going on or, you know, we have some crazy things with road closures and terrain closures with all the snow we get mm -hmm. and trying to keep our guests educated about what's happening in those situations. We've seen a lot of frustration there that someone says, you know, I came for seven days with my family and the mountain closed and we needed to get catch our flight and we didn't know the road was closed and we didn't know the mountain was closed and we missed it, our flights. And then we were stuck here for a couple of days. Um, with our new app, we're able to send uh, push notifications to anyone who has downloaded the app and has opted into messages. Um, and we can kind of geofence that to people who are active at the resort. So we're not kind of spamming the greater list of people, but mm -hmm. then we can tell people like, hey, the road's gonna close in three hours. Um, if you wanna get down and get out of here, you know, you can go for it. Or, hey, you know, Mineral, Mineral Basin just opened up, like go get some powder. And uh, we've had like really good responses from that of just improved communication and really like keeping people in the loop. That's awesome. I, I can, especially with that unique road situation that you have, I imagine that ability to like let people know, you know, you got to yeah. play tonight, you got to get out now. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's nice. Like we're really just using this tool um, and this app as like, you know, we're not really spamming people with marketing messages. We're not saying like, go get 20% off at this restaurant. Like we're using it specifically to inform people and make people like, we want people to trust the app and we want people to find usefulness in it. And so, you know, being able to be, to know when your favorite run or favorite area of the resort is opening and know that within two minutes of it opening. Like I've always been frustrated when I find out that, you know, like the backside or my favorite part of this mountain has been open all day and I thought it was closed and right. to be able to like see that in the app and get a notification right as it happens and also like to get out of here if the road is going to close because you know the the nice part is like we have a pretty high opt-in rate to those messages like 80 percent and so we're pretty much in like the pockets of you know one in every three you know pass holders so like they're able to spread that information to their friends and to other guests and we're able to like get that in front of people and that's done a lot to help people feel like they're they know what's happening up here especially when those those situations can be stressful that's really cool and I think it's really um I I can imagine it as an excellent tool to just sort of open keep those lines of communications open with your your guests rather right because they know that you're not going to spam them on it they want those messages and they're yeah. more receptive when the email shows up in their inbox or whatever yeah, exactly. Like we might, like, well, at some point we'll expand it to support more marketing messaging. But yeah. for right now, it's just all about like, you know, getting as many people on the app, you know, who trust it and want to use it. And then it's like, okay, we can start to weave in some marketing. And, but really it's, 
you know, the whole reason we did it was we wanted to improve communication. It wasn't really a project about how do we grow sales or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm sure eventually people will be thrilled to find out like happy hour is going on here. And <laughs> exactly. Like when those roads do close and they're stuck up here, we'll let them know that there's a happy hour going on. Right. Happy hour. Here's your discounted room rate. Stay another day. Cause it's going to snow. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. The team builder. Allison Ryden got her start in the industry at just three years old, watching her dad work as director of food and beverage for Vail Mountain, and she's been honing her expertise ever since. As food and beverage manager at Sunlight Mountain in Colorado, one nominator said, she has raised the level in the quality of the food and customer service. Her department leads by example and follows her unparalleled work ethic. And so at some point you made the shift into um, managerial roles while you were at Sunlight. And my understanding from your nominator is that you were kind of thrust into the school <laughs> manager role for right the start of the season. Yeah, yeah. I've had some uh, manager experience. I, I worked at an Einstein Bagels for a few years, and I went from being the barista to the assistant manager. So, um, and, and I kind of helped run that store for, for a couple of years before I went to Sunlight. So yeah. I, I kind of have like the, the number aspects, the business aspects of it kind of down. Um, and then when I went to Sunlight, yeah, it was, it was kind of like a, a two-week notice. Our, our GM, Tom, he's awesome. I love Tom. He, uh, he came up and said, do you just want to run it? And I was like, cool. Sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. And the first year was was more of how things used to be. And this past season, I really got to express everything that I wanted to do with the kitchen and, and change the menu and put some healthier things on there and the bowls and kind of incorporated what I would like to see it be. Mm. So this this past season was really really exciting for me because I was able to. To have the time last summer, especially with the quarantine, just sitting at home and, and tinkering around with ideas and, and all that, I had a lot more time to really get it together this past season. So that was really exciting. Is there um, anything, any developments sort of in the industry broadly that have you excited or sort of stoked about the future of snow sports? <laughs> Well, Sunlight's trying to build that new run, <laughs> and I, I think that's uh, – I myself actually do not ski or snowboard, shockingly. Okay. I, yeah, I snowmobile. So I get out there and I play. <laughs> I play a lot uh, snowmobiling and ice skating, but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited for all of the snow sports all together because I feel this past year – it was so unknown with these big groups getting together. I mean, that's what skiing is. It's coming together and hanging out together and doing things like that. And I feel like this year really showed how important skiing and snowboarding is, how all of the ski areas really impact families and friends and and all that coming together and just having a good time and that's what it's all about 
and I, I'm pretty excited for the future, uh, you know, with the vaccine coming out and things like that, where it, it, it can kind of go back to normal, but better than normal, because I feel like everyone kind of realizes now how important it is to have that quality time with one another. I like that. Go back to better than normal. Yes. Yes. So I have to I have to circle back now. You're not a skier or a snowboarder. You're a snowmobiler. So, I am a snowmobiler. Yeah. Tell me tell me about that for a second. How'd you get into that? Has that been a lifelong thing? Yeah. Ice ice skating is is kind of my roots. There. I was a competitive figure skater when I was smaller or younger, I guess, and. And then all of a sudden I got introduced to a snow machine, as we call it in Alaska. We call it a snow machine. <laughs> and we would go just rip around for a while, and I just loved it. It's it's like an adrenaline thing, and it, it was really fun. And now at Sunlight we have snowmobile tours, and they were nice enough to let me go on one of their sleds every now and then and go on, on one of the tours and, and things like that. So it's it's pretty fun. It's fun, yeah. But it started in in Alaska back in uh, before I started high school. I love that. So wait, you were a competitive figure skater for a while? Yes, yes. It was uh, during my childhood. I was <laughs> now. Now I roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You've worked for a lot of different employers, by the sounds of it, as you've sort of built up your. Um, food and beverage experience, what's the best professional advice you've been given? Um, I would say just, you know, I was told by the, actually, the captain of the cruise boat, (laughs) (laughs) Um, oddly enough, but I was a stewardess, and he called me up to his little office, and, and he wanted to give me the promotion of head stewardess, and gave me a radio to be on call and things like that. And the best advice he gave me when he did that was, if you keep your head down and you just keep working and you figure out how to do things and you can do it with with grace and with respect, you'll go far. Um, So just really he just gave me the advice of just hold, you know, just, Keep at what you are doing and do it with, with dignity and with respect and, and you'll go places. And I really held that with me. I always, not only with that, but um, just just wanting to, you know, if you're going to put your name on something and you're going to work on something, you want it to be good and you want to do your best at it. You never want to, I always say, I would rather full-ass one thing, then half-ass two things. The Changemaker. Hannah Weinman's role as diversity, equity, and inclusion analyst at Altera Mountain Company formulated practically overnight. Hannah knew she wanted to do impact work, she'd always loved snow sports, and Altera, like many companies, was ready to commit to DEI action. So Hannah jumped on board. She's innovative, creative, and changing the game in this space, said a nominator. So... To get started, do you want to just give me a little bit of background information? Who are you? How did you get into snow sports? How did you get into this field? Uh, And we'll go from there. I'm born and raised in Chicago. That's where my family is from. And I was really fortunate as a kid 
for the opportunity to go skiing with my family out in Colorado during the winters. And then I spent my summers in Estes Park, Colorado um, to go hiking and mountain biking and horseback riding in the summer. And so those experiences I had, which I'm so grateful for, really made Colorado always feel like home. And so I jumped at the opportunity to move to Colorado when, um, when I was going to college. I went to University of Colorado Boulder where I studied sociology and education with an emphasis on social innovation um, from starting in 2016. And I graduated in May of 2020. And during that time, I was just able to like connect further with the outdoors, especially with the ski industry, because I was living so much closer um, and just so grateful to, to find my ski friends at um, CU Boulder and just really take advantage of the opportunity um, to, to be involved there. And to be honest, when I was graduating and looking um, to looking at what my next steps were, I always knew I wanted to work in this world of impact, of making a positive impact and doing diversity and equity work. But I really didn't know what opportunities were out there. Snow sports was always something that I was super passionate about as more of a, for pleasure, but never saw myself working in the industry, just didn't know if there were opportunities for the world of, or the career that I wanted to go into overlapping with my passion for the snow sports industry. Um, and as I was graduating, I graduated into a climate where the push for diversity, equity, and inclusion was suddenly a topic of national discussion. And it was the center of, on everybody's minds because of um, the world events that were going on. And so I graduated in this time where consumers and stakeholders were looking to organizations and institutions for help and for advice of what should we be doing. Um, and I knew I wanted to be part of that change. And so I feel like it was a really fortunate timing that I graduated with this skill set of things I was incredibly passionate about and was able to come to an industry that I had always loved and just said, what, what, are you, what are you doing? And if you're not doing anything yet, how can I help? Um, and so there became this incredible opportunity to intersect my passion and love for equity work and, um, and my love for the snow sports industry. And so I jumped at the opportunity, which honestly like formulated overnight <laughs> to join Altera. Um, <laughs> so I jumped at the opportunity to start working for them. And I was on a six month contract at first, because to be honest, this was new territory for, for Altera. The intention and the um, desire to do good always existed, but like many organizations, it wasn't a priority. There wasn't a formal job for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so we did the six month period where we were figuring it out and we were doing a lot of strategic planning and pretty quickly into those six months, we learned there's a whole body of work that a department is needed, let alone a full-time <laughs> hire. Um, so in January, my position became full-time and I am now our analyst for diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's really interesting. So I know um, in your nomination profile, it was mentioned that you were very involved in the formation of, you took the lead on establishing the, the team of teams. Yes. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. Certainly. So that was one of the first things that we did was form, or that we knew we needed to do was form what's called the DEI advisory team. Um, and this team is made up of 
diverse individuals in terms of their like, of course, background and identity, but also their expertise, their geographic location in the company um, and like their, their age and their seniority in the company. And so we have this group of um, approximately 20 individuals from all across the Altera portfolio. So people from Stratton, people from Squaw Valley, people from the Denver office. And to me, that has been the most rewarding um, part of this job is being able to collaborate with these industry leaders who have so much wisdom and so much diversity of knowledge that we were able to come together and really share our own personal lived experiences in terms of like our identity in the industry, um, depending on how people identify, but also just like their expertise and where they feel they can make impact and, um, and kind of spread that impact. Altera is a pretty young company. I think we're, we're approaching our four year anniversary. And so we're still, like building the foundations in a lot of ways. And so I, I just feel very proud that ESG, this environment, sustainability and diversity, equity and inclusion is a foundation and a pillar of the company as we grow and expand, because I really, I, I see us only growing and expanding from here and having that be a foundation um, is, is just something like to be really proud of, especially having had this all become formal and set up again, like the intention was always there to do good, but the formal ESG team has been set up in this past year. And to have that team be set up in a year where there were so many challenges and so many pressures to meet, um, to accommodate for the restrictions and the limitations, but because of the coronavirus pandemic, um, it's just, it's just incredible. And I know that when we live in a world, I don't know if post COVID is a reality, but when we live in a world where we're not constantly thinking about COVID 24 seven, this will only just continue to grow. What's the best professional advice you've ever been given? My, I, in college, I worked for our office of diversity, equity, and community engagement at the university of Colorado. Um, and the, the mentors that I had there, were so committed to a lifelong learning mentality. They, even though they were seasoned in their career, they were constantly seeking opportunities to learn from, from the student assistants that we had in our office. And that um, pursuit of being a lifelong learner, I think is absolutely the most important thing um, that, you, that you could ever do for yourself. And so I think that was more of a, professional advice that I received by observation, but definitely it's something that I've committed to in my, in my pursuit as a growing professional. What about the worst advice? The worst advice. And I, again, I don't know if it's something that someone told me, but I think it was an assumption that I had was that you need to know everything that you have to have your stuff together all of the time. I think something, especially because I am really young in my career, that's something I struggle with, with is wanting people to think that I have all of the answers. Mm. And that's so unproductive, again, to that lifelong learning mentality of, of course, I don't have all the answers. My experience is only one person. That's why we're trying to collect inventory of lived experiences and, and be collaborative with, um, with organizations in the industry who are, um, who are experts in their field. And so the like willingness to ask for help, the willingness to say, I don't know, do you want to work on this together um, is so important. And 
to, to not do so, I think would be the worst thing that you could do. These folks are changing the game. Want to learn more about Sam Magazine's annual 10 under 30 honorees? Subscribe to Sam Magazine to read their full profiles. www.saminfo.com slash subscribe www.saminfo.com slash subscribe. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Pod Sam advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Winter Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordea, and thank you for listening to Pod Sam. <laughs>